Today's episode of The Glue Guys is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including in companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience. Stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to glueguys.robinhood.com. That's glueguys.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, theathletic.com. To get 40% off annual subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. NetSaley.com. Brian, the Nets are back. How are you? Yeah, really back. It feels like they're back. It feels like there's been some kind of, I don't know, a cleansing rain. Um, you know, despite all of the, the emotional stuff this week, um, I felt good to get that win last night, Mike. I don't, you know, I don't want to just skip right past it and, you know, not talk about it like, like the Knicks game or the previous Pistons game. Um, (laughs) I want to just say nice game, nice game, fellas. Yeah, you're right. It's been, obviously there's a reason why this week has been so off, off kilter a little bit, at least emotionally. And it, it was nice to see the full team out on the basketball court. Uh, Kyrie playing extremely well, Spencer Dinwiddie playing extremely well, um, seeing more of the Nets team that we thought that we were going to see this year, Torian Prince having a fantastic game. It was necessary because the one thing about this team that can be said is that they've had weird runs all season, and you really don't know which way the wind is going to blow. And when it's blowing badly, I don't know, that may be a strong wind, Um it can kind of look pretty ugly, and thank goodness the Nets got that win against the Pistons because this is the part of the schedule that they have to win the games, and everything looked great, and it was an extremely emotional game. I mean, there's no – what we saw from Kyrie, you don't really see that on the court. Obviously, we're seeing it all this week for a good reason, but mm-hmm. it was it was um, one of the more unique games I've seen with the emotion that Kyrie had. Um, everything that led up to it, the tribute to Kobe and his daughter, um, it also being a Chinese New Year game. There was like an additional element to that. Um, <laughs> you know, like the, the presentation yeah, that was a big of, one. The presentation of the that game. Was, that was relevant. Um, um, I will <laughs> love Richard Jefferson. He made a coronavirus joke on ESPN. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's amazing. Yeah, he Tony Snell had the flu and he made a and I'm like, 
I love the joke, but so it's good. maybe not appropriate for. Uh, I love that Richard broadcast. just continues to push to push it. You know, doesn't really just doesn't want to have the filter. knows knows he doesn't have one. Doesn't care. It's it's, it, it's getting to the point where it may need to be an alternative stream. Our boy. Oh Richard's yeah, on. he could be a bring him on the stream. Um, hey, I want to give you a little plug, Mike. Is yes. that okay? Oh please. Um, Mike had a great little episode about you know the Kobe Bryant situation earlier in the week. Um, that I think really if you haven't if you haven't listened to it, it really elucidates the the relationship with him and Kyrie in a very nice way. I think it's some of your best work, Mike. If you don't mind my saying. Thanks, dude. Um, yeah, I I will say it was informative to look back on. So, like, the part of what I had is I had Joe Varden on, who's with The Athletic, and he covered Kyrie in Cleveland. And he wrote a piece last year in Boston about Kyrie's leadership style in Boston being reminiscent, specifically, of Kobe's, and how Kyrie specifically tried to has has tried to be the same type of leader that Kobe was, which is someone who, do, who does cause conflict, who doesn't want a calm locker room, the, the belief that... You know, you do need conflict between these talented people to bring the best out of each other. And it's informative to see what we've seen from Kyrie so far. So after the game, um, I did watch a bit of Kenny Atkinson's press conference after the Pistons game. And they asked him, of course, about Kyrie and the emotion of it all. And I loved Kenny's answer, talking about that Kyrie is a raw, authentic person. And that Kyrie is going to tell you what he thinks exactly. And Atkinson says he responds best to that as opposed to someone who doesn't tell you how they're feeling. Um, and I, it has been interesting to see. I feel like Kenny Atkinson has handled this, what's happening with the team, the emotions of the Kobe Bryant crash, like really well. Like, you know, I, I've kind of criticized the Nets for trying to make Kenny Atkinson the lead spokesperson for a team. That's what a coach is. They're the one that has to face the media every day. It's not Sean Marks. So, like, when something bad happens or a report comes out, it's Kenny Atkinson who has to recover from it. And I all, I don't think that should be his job. But he's handled this whole, you know, it could be easy for a coach to say something dumb about a player deciding not to play a game hours before the game because of a personal thing. But Kenny's, like, handled it extremely well. And I really mean this. I think it, like, should help the overall relationship between Kenny and Kyrie, it's I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know, Brian. I'm just rambling at this point. No, I mean, look, it's a, it's a complicated situation and and one that's fraught. So we don't want to step on any emotional landmines, of course. Yes. But the um, the elusive is Kyrie a chill bro meme? Um, you know, I got some some DMs from people on Twitter being like, you know, Kyrie's a chill bro after that you know reaction last night. And I think um, I think that's sort of an, an interesting and kind of telling thing. Hard to know what makes somebody chill, bro, but I think being super vulnerable and emotional about a tragedy falls into the purview of chill bro-ness, even if there is, you know, a sort of give and take to that with not playing in the Knicks game, which some people were, like, critical of and were, like, rightfully dunked on on social media platforms, wherever that was happening. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. so what's been great is that um, part of my job is that I have to tweet out all the shows that I help produce here at the athletic podcast that I help produce at the athletic. And I tweet out a show from the athletics NBA account, which is really interesting to see because you get to dive into those mentions and see what sort of the general NBA fan is thinking. And there was some story about Kyrie Irving from Alex Schiffer of the athletic Nets beat reporter where the headline was 
essentially like Kyrie saying, I'm here to carry the torch for Kobe. I will continue to carry the t- torch for Kobe. And the first comment is from someone whose Twitter picture has a Patriots, a Celtics, a uh, Red Sox, and a Bruin symbol in their little uh, Twitter. A complete, a complete psycho is what you're saying. And the immediate thing he says is, or I actually think it was a, a, a woman who said, uh, Kyrie is delusional. He'll never be Kobe. What what an ASS. Yeah. Yeah. ASS. If you're if you're if you're listening to this with kids in your car and they can spell, <laughs> I apologize. But for all yeah. you who are listening with kids in the car who cannot spell, ASS. ASS. And yeah. I'm like, what? What a so that's cut. So okay, you know, Kyrie does say things that are uh, not great, but that thing, that quote, is actually part of a larger thing that he said, which was essentially like, all of us are really going to carry the torch. All of like the basketball players, the the post Kobe generation. Who have looked up to him? It's not as if like Kyrie's saying, "I am gonna, ca- I am the next Kobe Bryant." It's more of like, "I'm gonna continue on what Kobe kind of instilled in me and taught me," as are, they had a very close relationship. And again, Kyrie does say some not great things, but that type of thing is like, is where I understand why he, Kyrie, gets feels like he's in this like crazy little loop because he can say anything, and there's gonna be people from. Uh, the New England area and maybe from the Ohio area who thinks whatever he says is the worst thing in the world, that that mm. nothing that he can do is correct. Even something where he's talking about, you know, a close personal friend that he's still grieving about. And yeah, it's so I so that little taste, that tiny taste that I got of is maybe like a point zero zero one percent of what Kyrie has to face sometimes on social media. But I was like, this is crazy. How anyone could take what Kyrie said and spin it into basically the most slanderous statement you can make about a person. Um, sure. So I'm glad yeah. I got to experience that. And alternatively, um, Kyrie looked like kind of feisty last night in a way yes. that I haven't seen in a while. Um, maybe, you know, just uh, feeling inspired from from the whole, you know, from, from you know, in an ancillary way from the whole situation. Um I always wonder, like, I think I, because I knew about Kyrie and Kobe's close relationship, and I often thought about, like, Kobe's, um, like, sort of off court ability to, like, stoke the flames of competition within his his teammates by like generally maybe being a little bit negative towards them and things like that and i always kind of wondered if that was the that was like some of the advice he was imparting to Kyrie and things like that because um there's similarities there kind of you could like you know squint your eyes and see some similarities there um well and if you're doing if we're believing that and and it's true like Kyrie himself has talked about how he wants to emulate kobe in that way the the two guys who left off the list of the guys that he would like to to remain on the team, Joe Harris and Jared Allen, the two biggest names. I mean, I'm not saying Joe Harris needs extra motivation. I'm, I don't think he's that type of guy, but he hasn't been playing all that well this year. Like overall, <laughs> yeah. if you're and Jared if you're Allen like, needs con- to be consistent. So like, if you're going that the Kyrie's a mastermind <laughs> version of this, which I I don't know if that's right or wrong. He did pick two guys that are kind of worth picking to an extent, maybe if you like, they seem like susceptible to that kind of motivation. Maybe, I don't know. You know, it's not, it's not without I mean, anyways, we may be thinking about this too deeply, but I, yeah, um, I think yeah. We, I just think, yeah, he, I think he likes some people on the team. He doesn't like other people on the team. He or he also, just like said, said the names that came to mind. It could be completely like, you know, whatever. Anyways, we, we shouldn't make this another episode about that though. I know. Can you believe that this is the last game of the season? It's been 
a fun-filled, record-setting, and action-packed season all the way through. Now there's only one fitting way to end the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app. Place your bets for America's biggest game of the year with the American-made DraftKings Sportsbook app. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including countless prop bets and football squares. One of my favorite prop bets that I love to take advantage of when I can get it, it's one that has the most delicious odds that you could possibly have in betting. The coin toss heads or tails go for it i'm telling you it makes it the most boring part of a football game it makes it fun go for a quick bet on the coin toss shows that you're a hardcore better and it's fun it's fun when you see that moment come up and you get excited and you win the coin toss Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Don't forget, that's code QUICK. Get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times played through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call a 1-800-GAMBLER. What is and was great about last night were that the Nets fully in control. Spencer did so like this is like the premium situation that you want, which is both Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving have good games together, proving the fact that like it can happen. Now, something that you brought up, I think it was last week, was the Karis LeVert concerns. The Karis LeVert concerns continue. Um yeah. non-factor, but I I you know, I wonder yeah. if if he if it's like um my thing I, I don't know if, I, if this is a meme that i've ever like used before but you know there's like the um don't work hard work smart sort of platitude sure um <laughs> karis levert is working so hard yes. um and it's not it doesn't he's not getting a lot of output from it um and that's the sort of thing that i want to be like i want him to fixate on a little bit more it's like you are expending so much energy to be shooting a not very good percentage from up close um so yeah but isn't that like, what can he do? Like, what can he do at this point? It's a, it's a strategy thing. It's like you have to be, I think he needs like a macro, like conceptual, reconceptualization of how to how he should be playing his game. Because like his ability to just get to the rim maybe was like super, you know, at his height and his size in college was like that, that was maybe like super valuable and has always been. But like just being six seven and getting up close to the rim while your defender has had time to like gather themselves and be ready to like put up a pretty good defense for that, for that bunny. Um, that's resulted in a pretty bad percentage from that range. Um, and you shouldn't have a bad percentage from that range. Um, so there's a lot of little things like that where I would just want him to reconceptualize, but like, uh, you know, again, like I, I th- it's, it's this, my, my favorite of my own things that I, my own analogies, it's not like the hedgehog <laughs> analogy for him <clears throat> where he's collecting his coins. He'll figure it out again. But as soon as he's missing more extended time, he'll lose his coins. Um, which obviously I don't want to like put the jinx on, but um, you know, that's, that's the big fear that he's just going to be like ramping up, ramping up and then like finally be finishing faster and like more cleanly and sort of be more integrated in the audio, uh, in the offense. Um, 
Uh, but then I hope he doesn't lose it all again. Like, yeah. And um, I, but I do on the positive end of the spectrum, it's, I think last night was what this team, when like we began the season with the certain amount of players that they had, uh, I think this was basically the perfect scenario. Obviously the Pistons aren't that good, but frankly, the Nets haven't been all that much better than the Pistons this year, but the perfect scenario being, um, besides Karis LeVert, which is Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie scoring like leading the team in scoring in some way one of Torian Prince Joe Harris now I'm going to put Karis LeVert in that bucket one of those guys like stepping up and having a big game and that was Torian Prince you had a decent Jared Allen DeAndre Jordan rotation at least rebounding wise not that much scoring but it was like it was somewhat effective Garrett Temple contributed for 10 points Wilson Chandler well I've liked Wilson Chandler we need to have a whole Wilson Chandler podcast I think mm. at some point. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need to dedicate a 90 minute segment to him for sure. I think we need to, yeah, we need the full run of Wilson Chandler yeah. because I, I, you know, you know, I, we had talked about before he came back from his suspension that like maybe they should cut him because we all liked Amon Shumpert so much, but it, it has been proven right that Wilson Chandler is the better and more effective player and better for this team overall. They've relied on him quite a bit. He was in there. What was it? The end of the last Pistons game, not this. Well, the one two times ago, the overtime game, it was Wilson Chandler in at the end of the game. Also, I don't think Karis LeVert was on the floor at that. So it's shown Kenny Atkinson likes having Wilson Chandler around. Um, and he's been a nice little boost to have. And again, the Nets have a really easy schedule. I mean, the Knicks game was so weird. Kenny Atkinson even talked about it that, you know, it's that not. That was the weirdest vibe of any game I've ever seen. Um the- I mean, for a million reasons, but just yeah. such a weird game. Such um, a, it, and it wasn't, and you wanted the Nets to win, but it didn't, it wasn't like, it was completely excusable of why, just completely yeah. weird. I don't, we don't need to rehash this, but like, I kind of do agree that, I know people want to say it's like a, it was a tribute to Kobe to, to actually play the games, which I agree that that is true, but it's also very hard to just do that, like, after something that dramatic happening on that day in the community of which this profession is um, just, it was, it was a weird. My, my favorite though is the intersection of people that were like, they shouldn't play the games today. And also Kyrie should have played. That's, that's the best. <laughs> the that matrix. <laughs> yeah. We should that's find the, our goal yeah. should be to find those, find people, those people, on people on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Having um, both takes. Getting back to, um, some X's and O's things. Does the Dinwiddie going back to coming off the bench, is that feels bad man.jpg or is that like feel good because it's returned to natural order of things? Um, I can't decide. Part of me was like, you know, I, I, Spencer Dinwiddie might be too good to be relegated to that, to, to the bench and in, in, on a professional basketball team in the future. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's like they both, Obviously, the two best players on the team right now are Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie. And you would think um, – oh, sorry. I just got a message from someone. I just lost my train of thought. I apologize, Brian. Oh, gosh. But, but um, well, I'm getting a very interesting message, which I can't really talk about at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> but – Is it – Is it? Uh, who is it? Um, is it LeBron? Um, it has to do with Achilles. I'll just say that. Oh, wow. Um, someone's Achilles. No, just kidding. Achilles in general. I've become like so, but I, you know, I know a de facto expert yeah. in Achilles here. I, I did yeah. love. Uh, we'll talk about it later. I'll talk about the Achilles thing later about Kevin Durant. Looking um, forward to it. 
but the I think it's right to have the separation of Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie. That is a, a thing you want because it will maximize both of their minutes. Of course, there's a lot of overlap. Kyrie played 33 minutes last night. Spencer played 29. They were on the floor together. But it makes a lot of sense to have that separation. It still does show that there's redundancy in them. And I think ultimately it's going to lead us down the road where like there's going to continue to be that question of is Dinwiddie expendable? Is he the piece that's moved to get Aaron Gordon? Everyone loves Aaron Gordon so much. He's constantly brought up. He's the new Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris was that guy for the Nets for three seasons, and now it's Aaron Gordon. Um, mm. I still think it's valuable to keep trying Dinwiddie and Irving together on the floor. I think I love that Dinwiddie's adaptability as a basketball player is incredible. It's almost something mm. I've rarely seen in someone where when we first met Spencer Dinwiddie, he was the assist to turnover God, right? He mm-hmm. would be like four assists for one turnover. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was yeah. it. And yeah. then he became uh, bench James Harden. And then he right. became worthy all-star starting Spencer Dinwiddie. And now he's back to sort of a bench James Harden, but more of a yeah. sort uh I, I couldn't almost describe it, but more of an all-purpose guard, ball-dominant guard, but who does more for your team. And then at the same time can flip back to, you know, assist to turnover God at the same Like, he can, he's just constantly adapting to whatever. You, you don't really ever is. see it. It is a version of basketball IQ that seems, like, incredibly rare um, to just be, like, like I like I can fit in wherever a system is, is needing me. Um, I'm trying to think of a comparison for that, and I really just can't. Like, who else does that kind of thing? I mean, it's, 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 he is one of those type of players. Obviously, the team is so far away from winning a championship, but like, he's one of those type of players you could see being on a championship level team because of his versatility. I mean, I go back to the Lakers game when he guarded LeBron James at the end of the game. Now, he didn't do it effectively, but <laughs> he was willing to put his body in front of LeBron James at the end of a game in a high spotlight situation. And if you have a guard, who can do who is willing to do that and you know is a guy who could score 20 points get you six assists and three rebounds like he did in 29 minutes um i liked i think his i need to look at the numbers i think his shooting from three is ticking up probably maybe um i think that may be a byproduct of actually playing next to Kyrie. so it's not all on spencer when he takes a shot it's like a step back three so i think that's the next level i want to see him unlock if i can Label this charge at Spencer Dinwiddie. Get me some of those catch and shoot threes. Let me see you be the two guard next to a ball dominant point guard to where if you're open from three, it's somewhat automatic, uh, mm-hmm. a semi automatic shot, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, the, Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> my only yeah. my only yeah. relationship to to guns is Goldeneye. I hope everyone yeah. recognizes yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, an RP ninety was that it? Sure, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the fast one. A lot of bullets. Um, anything else from the Pistons game before we move forward a bit? Um, gosh, I really enjoyed the Reggie Jackson Bobby Schmurda dance. Um, <laughs> I liked the exchange between Jared Allen and Andre Drummond. Um, I wish that Jared had had a better line, but you know, otherwise he was good. Um, yeah, those are all my my only thoughts. 
Um, and then, so I just want to say, there's a quick Kevin Durant thing, which was like, so obviously people have seen this by now, but he came out and spoke to the media for the first time, like in front of the media because of Kobe. And I think, um, people love that. People are super into that. Yeah. I'm super into it. Cause yeah, I knew you would be. Cause it, it, it shows uh respect for the moment. Not that I didn't think he had that, but it does show respect for the moment. It also kind of provided Kyrie cover because, you know, Durant was willing to go out there and it's a big deal that Durant is talking. So it makes it less important that Kyrie didn't talk to the media at that point. And, you know, I just, I thought it was a nice leadership moment because we really don't know. We see him on the bench, but we still don't really know what he's like as a net. And it is nice to be reminded that he is a part of the nets and that he is a leader for this team and he's willing, he's going to be the, like to see him just there talking to the media. I was like, Oh yeah, that's, he's a part of the Brooklyn nets. What a lovely, delightful thing to be monitoring when he comes back in a month, you know, Brian, it's so exciting. Yeah. Really um, exciting. Okay. We'll take a quick break and then come back. And I got something special for Brian. Sounds good. We love to talk about physical fitness a lot on here on the glue guys, but there's another side to the game that is just as important. I am talking about mental fitness calm. The number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron considers his mind as calm does as well. Like any muscle in your body and calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash glue. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash glue. That's calm.com slash glue. All right, welcome back, Brian. Nice. Um, for every you, everyone on stream, I know that was a long break, and I apologize. So, <laughs> um, we have there's even though the Nets just lost to the Knicks, we are having this delightful moment. If you at all were monitoring what was happening last night in NBA basketball, the the Knicks um, dumpster fire got some kerosene poured on mm. it, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Grizzlies Knicks game, oh, where the the Knicks lost. Of course, I think they lost. Right? Yeah, they lost by like twenty points. Really, mm-hmm. not a good thing to do. In the game, there were chants that were captured on social media of "Sell the team," the loudest that some people have ever heard. After the game, you had Grizzlies players complaining about how uh, there's no hot water, <laughs> cold cold showers. How there's no. I hot... love that. That's my favorite. But can I tell you, if the Celtics had done that, everyone would have been talking about how genius well, they are. The, the difference is, I mean, the Celtics have done stuff like well, they do, like did it in the '80s, you know, in their like championship years, where they'd like you know hose a a, uh, a Laker, an incoming Lakers team, or something like that, you know. But in the finals or something, when you're already a really good franchise, when you're the franchise that nobody likes, and you're like show, like just giving them dingy, dingy visiting experiences, it's not a great look, I think. But you know, whatever. Um, and then so also in the game. Uh, Jay Crowder had this weird moment at the end of the game where he stole the ball against the Knicks when the Knicks were, I guess, kind of just like dribbling out the clock. And and 
uh, Jay Crowder and Alfred Payton, who always seemed like a delightful young man, got into a, a fracas, a real fracas out there on the floor, Brian. It was real ugly. And, you know, mm. everyone's getting mad and everyone's going crazy. And again, this is coupling with the Knicks fans chanting, sell the team. James Dolan is there at the game. Apparently, uh, in the New York Post, there's a story about how Dolan threw a fan out of the game nearby who was chanting, sell the team in some way. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about something that you said on a podcast oh. a few times ago. Oh, I love this. Um, I think you. I think it was about the Knicks. You compared the Knicks to the decrepit king in two towers. Is that, <laughs> was that correct? Is that something, something like that. That sounds familiar. Okay. So I made something for you. You know, this. I'm in I'm a excited. giving mood, and to, in full honesty, I had made it, didn't save it, and we had a delay to this podcast, so yeah. I could put it back together. But here now is sort of a compilation, a mashup. Oh my gosh! Of, if you don't know the decrepit king in the two towers, I should explain it real quickly. In two towers, Lord of the Rings, there's a there's a king, a once mighty great king, who seems to be over a spell that he tur- he's decrepit, and he's presiding over this fallen, a uh, once great kingdom, and of course that is a perfect analogy for your mm-hmm. Knicks. So here now is about 90 seconds of a montage of <laughs> oh my God. Lord of the Rings. Oh wow. And the Knicks. Uh Brian. Oh good. I'm ha- gonna sit back and enjoy. Happy wow. New Year. Yes. Ah. I cannot allow you before Theoden King so armed by order of I think we're going to have a very successful offseason when it comes to free agents. The courtesy of your hall is somewhat lessened of late. The garden is a place we want everybody to have fun. Why should I welcome you? The New York Knicks look like straight trash. I mean, I have no idea. I just got here, so (laughs) I don't know how these things work. You have no power here. It's just some guys, you just get your ass whooped. I'm trying to see how I want to word this. We're frustrated. Uh, Ill news, ill guess. You guys have said the whole year that you, you know, because you have nine new players, you need some time to, like, figure. No, 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 (laughs) that. It's now. That. Whoa. We played a game, a lot of female tendencies on the court, very woman-like. I do understand for the fans it's about winning and losing, and we haven't been doing much winning. (laughs) My favorite part about that is that you accidentally deleted that and had to remake that whole thing. It's, it's the funniest thing to make twice. And it's a C minus, a strong. Oh, no, no. Hell no, dude. That is a solid, that is a solid A. Come on. That thing is amazing. <laughs> that thing is unbelievable. Um. So, and, and should I, I should say, so the end of it, we're, there. you'll hear someone say uh, he has female tendency, he plays like a woman or whatever. That is Marcus Morris, the one of the Knicks stars this season. That was from yeah. last night talking about Jay Crowder, comparing him, Jay Crowder, to a woman yeah. And who's asking him the questions was a reporter who was a woman, not yeah. a great look. And immediately 
Mr. Morris went on Twitter and had a big statement and apologized and, you know, said in no way did I mean, you know, I respect women and all this stuff. So that we've we have this like layering of demise, like demise for the Knicks here. And, you know, I'm enjoying it. I know that they just beat the Nets on Sunday. And so any Knicks fan could come at the Nets and say, you guys stink. You guys aren't that good. No, come on. Based on that game, please. Come on. But um, I don't know if we're, we're not reaching any boiling point. There, there seems to be no temperature with which the liquid that is James Dolan will ever feel any heat. But he, um, I'm enjoying it. I'm sorry. I just, this is, this is fun to see the Knicks being such a laughingstock in the NBA um, again, I urge everyone, you'll hear quotes from James Dolan in there. That was obviously from the iconic Michael Kay interview that James Dolan went on after they mm. traded Porzingis and he claiming that, um, of course, primetime free agents were going to come to the Knicks. They, they've been telling the Knicks about that. And as we also know, apparently that James Dolan interview <laughs> was a real deciding factor for why KD did not want to go to the Knicks when he heard that Mm. sort of implication that James Dolan is pulling all of these strings and that they just have to sit back and receive the greatness that is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That interview was uh, one of the deciding factors for why Kevin Durant definitely knew that he didn't want to go to the Knicks. Um, But I make it for you, Brian. I mean, that is... That was a... I mean, I feel like it was a gift. I feel like I just am in (laughs) receipt of a gift. It's not physical. I can't hold it, but it definitely feels like a gift. Yeah, I'm not like, you know, I don't don't feel like I need to mince words. I'm super happy that the Knicks (laughs) suck and everything is toxic over there. Like, I doesn't... I'm not like... I don't have any misgivings about those feelings. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just great. It's just pure great for me. My favorite thing, though, that Knicks fans do is bring up attendance figures for whenever there's a Knicks-Nets debate. And again, it just feels like that is that is simply like, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's a sad thing that the Knicks franchise, the allegedly great Knicks franchise, which really has never been that great, has really been mid-tier. Um, and again, I'll state MSG, average arena, maybe <laughs> below average. <laughs> Uh, it has to cling to the, that the Knicks fan base has enough people that are, are, are sheep that can be herded into this arena, uh, regardless of the product put in front of them. I they, mean, I don't get me wrong. I'd like to dump on this. I, I do think it is super fun to go to MSG. Here's the issue. It's that this is a decades long dwindling cultural and sports import. Like they just aren't like they, they, I think they think that, that, um, that their relevancy is just sort of cemented. And um, that's like, obviously slowly becoming the case. Like you go to the Knicks game now and it's definitely not the Knicks game of the nineties. Like it just like is a shadow of itself. Um, The arena itself is cool. um, But yeah, it's like you've taken L's for 20 years now and the vibe is is definitely reflecting that. Um, So in that sense, it's it's actually really fun to go to Knicks games for me just because it's super good trolling. It's rife, you know, really good trolling territory. Um, Generally, you'll get the W. Um, So so I've got no no qualms with that. Um, But yeah, anyways. um, And it's also like the factor that the the Knicks decided to not tank this season, right? Like they began the season off with this aspiration to to compete. They they sign all of these power forwards with the idea that 
they're going to be good and they'll be at least average. And, you know, RJ Barrett will hopefully be a star for them. That's what their thinking was. And it ended up being um, not the, the real that concern is that RJ Barrett doesn't look good. Um, your boy Velvet Cowboy in Twitch chat saying Nets 20th in attendance, Knicks 18th. Um, we, we may need to fact check that just because it's Twitch chat, but Villa Cowboys is a solid bro. And that, that could very well be true. So, I mean, if that's the, if that two placements above us is what you want to hold over our heads, like that's, that's a sign. That's a sign of the end, the end times, you know, yeah. already, of course I'm diving in Google and Google and Googling. Yeah. Um, um, also he's asking, explain the Schmurder connection for those of us, um, who are not in the know. So the Schmurder connection is just, if you Google Bobby Schmurder and Reggie Jackson, and then just take those two images and put them next to each other, you'll know exactly what the connection is. They look exactly like is, is the thing. And, and yeah, and he does the little dance and it's, and they were chanting Bobby Schmurder at Reggie Jackson on the free throw line last night. That's super um, really Com- confirmed by the way, attendance figures. If you go by percentage of arena filled per game, uh, Nets are 93% at 20th overall. Knicks, 95% at 18 overall. Though the raw numbers uh, greatly favors the Knicks. Um, and I always love when teams are somehow over 100% capacity. The Mavericks are 140%, 104% capacity <laughs> somehow. Yeah, juiced. Which, if you know math, uh, doesn't happen. Um, yeah, it's just people standing up in the aisles. That's what that is. There used to be, I, I've talked about this guy. There was a guy um, <clears throat> that used to be at the Meadowlands games way back when I was, you know, and I was just a young lad. We called him, everyone called him Al the Wanderer. Nobody knew where his seat was, but he was at every game. Somehow he got in the door, just didn't have a seat, just stood up the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> went, from, went from like, you know, somebody would get out of their seat and he would like plop down for a bit and then they would come back and he'd get up and go to somebody else's seat. That was his whole deal. Let me ask you, which team would you guess has the worst road attendance? Meaning when they're playing at someone else's arena, the attendance at that game, the average percentage has the this team has the lowest percentage. Which team in the NBA do you think is the least attractive to see in person? Uh, I would guess something like uh, or so like they're traveling to another team. Like who do they carry with them? Um, maybe like New Orleans. I don't know. Right. So it New Orleans are actually well, actually this year that would not be the case. But um, I just feel like it helps. So like a new fan base is sort of hard to form. Um, although they're not they're sort of they're only like semi new. Um. I don't know. Uh, who is it? I'm not, I'm not the Pacers. So that was the most obvious one. I was going to say the Pacers just because Indianapolis is tiny, but um, okay, fine. That makes sense. Yeah, it's the Pacers. And then, like, obviously the Pacers are really good this year, and Sabonis, it's fun to see him just mash dudes, but I, I feel like I've seen my share of Pacers games, and I don't need to watch them. I guess Oladipo is coming back, but that's not going to spur ticket sales. Um, the Lakers are the best draw in the NBA. The Mavericks, sure. number two. The Doncic oh, that's interesting. Effect. Already, huh? Um, Trailblazers, number four. And, you know, I think part of these stats that we're digging through, I wonder if, like, who they've played so far this season impacts, you know, attendance. The Knicks are number five in road attendance. Um, they're actually averaging nearly the same amount of fans when they go on the road as they would at home. So if they if <laughs> Knicks fans want to bring up that the Knicks road attendance figures are better than the Nets, please have at it. Yeah, because they're all out of the city because they can't, those darn New York's taxes. Um, where are the Nets rank? Um, they're t- they were also twentieth, but they get more fans on the road than at home because the Nets have one of the smallest arenas in the NBA. 
and people do want to see Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie Irving is is a guy that people want to see play basketball. So um, I think that's it for us, Brian. Yeah, I'm just watching this uh, this scrap right now on the stream. Oh, sick. Let me see. Let me, let me yeah. pop over. They, they, they pulled away. Um, anyways, yeah. Hey, um, that was a great show, Mike. Thank yeah. you for putting that together. <laughs> God, I'll send it really, to you. I'll, I'll really mail it nice. to you in the, in the actual mail. That thing was great. Yeah, please. It's just a tape. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. We're going to do some special trade deadline episodes in some way. We'll probably do a pre thing. And then we'll obviously, if any trades happen, we'll do a, a fast emergency pod. Uh, you can find us here on these streams as well as the athletic and that's daily iTunes, Spotify. We're everywhere. You could possibly wow. want to listen to a podcast. We are there in your ears, in your car, in your bathroom stereo system. Yes. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening. Hey, thanks, everybody. Yeah, boy.